0: Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Christ Supreme series, where Dr. Jones teaches verse by verse through the book of Colossians to show that Jesus Christ reigns supreme above any alternative the world offers. Now, let's join them for today's message.
1: And we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, which is described or known to be a prison epistle of Paul when he was writing from prison to the Colossian church. And I think this is very important for us today. The reason the series title is called Christ Supreme is because this letter truly is centered on the supremacy of Christ, how Christ is greater than all, how Jesus is greater than any idea, any ideology, any worldview that you can come up with, that Jesus surpasses them all. And there's a particular reason he's writing to this church in Colossae, because uh, there have been under threat Of some some different kinds of philosophies and worldviews and ideologies. And Paul has gotten news of um, these these teachings that are creeping into the church that are a threat to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he's writing this letter. And I want us to kind of frame this and understanding this letter as a whole, since we're going to be going through verse by verse. Uh, This book, Colossians, is a prison epistle Paul is most likely, this was during his Roman imprisonment. So he's in Rome, he's in prison, and he was released after this, and he was arrested again and ended up being killed because of the gospel. But right now he's in his, uh, that Roman imprisonment, and he's uh, also in prison with this, this man named Epaphras. And Epaphras is the one that planted the Colossian church, and Epaphras is actually sharing news with the apostle Paul. And Paul is so moved about all that he's hearing in the church and the threats coming against the church that Paul pins this letter and sends it by a young man named Tychicus or Tychicus, however you want to say that. And he sends it with him. And as the letter unfolds, this becomes a little more apparent. And we know Epaphras is in jail with Paul, at least when he pens this letter, because we see that in the book of Philemon, because the church he's writing to is actually meeting in Philemon's house. Yeah, I know this is a sermon time, but it's it's like Bible study right now. I want you all to understand why this letter is written so that as we go through it, we understand contextually what's happening so we can better know what we are learning from this letter, and how the Holy Spirit is speaking to us now, and how this can be applied in our lives. And so that is the background of the book of Colossians, and we're going to dive into the first few verses together, starting in verse 1 up to verse 14. The first 14 verses we're going to read together, and it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints In Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his son he loved. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father, give us insight. Give us understanding to your word right now, Lord, so that it may take root and bear fruit in our lives and we will give you all the glory, honor, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today's message title is Growth Anticipated. Growth Anticipated. Now, we understand growth when it comes to human development. You know, at, at conception, when uh. Egg is fertilized. We have a human being right there in the womb, and we go through the stages of development. Right at conception, we have the chromosomes that come together with XX, uh, XY. Whether it's male or female, right at conception, we have the DNA already formed. All of the information in that human being, right there at conception, and from there it goes through stages after stage after stage of development. Is birth. And then we go from the, this baby to this this little bitty uh, infant to this toddler to this child to this preteen to this teen to this adult, and and we have this new category in culture right now, especially in American society. We call it a kidult. Now, a kidult is not really a good term because a kidult is actually somebody who is physically grown and mature, but mentally they still like fourteen. You know, that's like that 30-year-old dude, you know, walking around, and he like 12 years old, or that young lady, you know, that's 40, but she talking act like she's 15. You're like, hold on, man, what's the reason that's appalling or shocking? Is because we anticipate certain levels of growth at certain points, at certain stages. You know, it's natural. I I remember when our kids would go. We would take our kids to the pediatrician, and I remember he gave me a secret one time uh, when we had little babies, and he says he can, he can notice certain things about babies, and he looks right in the waiting room when they come in. There's certain things that the doctors are looking for, certain things that the nurses are looking for. And I remember he told me one time, he said, uh, when a baby gets a certain age, they start to look at the mother and not just the baby, and I was like, Why? Because he said, it's not even just the physical development. I want to look at how they're developing in their motor skills and interactions. Like, I want to know how their brain's developing and curiosity. He said, when certain babies reach a certain age, you shouldn't expect to see mom bringing the baby to the pediatrician wearing big earrings and big necklaces and all kind of jewelry. Why? Because the babies get to a certain point. They start grabbing and snatching. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And yes, that does happen. You get rid of some of that expensive jewelry when that baby get a certain age because that baby will snatch it right off your neck. You know, it's normal growth. We expect growth. One of the saddest things that I see when it comes to the Christian life is the lack of anticipation or expectation of spiritual growth, spiritual development, spiritual maturity. We've gotten too content With I believe in Christ, it's all good. But we know if we see a child that's not developing, there's a problem that needs to be addressed. And the same is true. When you come to Christ, you are a babe, you are an infant. And the expectation, the anticipation just by how things have been ordered is that you will continue to grow. And we see right at the beginning of this letter that Paul writes to the church in Colossae, to the Colossian church meeting in Philemon's house, is that in his prayers, as he's thanking God, he says, every time we pray, we are thanking God for his work in the world and in you and the expectation and the anticipation that God in his work, is maturing you, and you are continuing to grow in the faith. You are continuing to grow spiritually. This is very important because he starts this letter right here. Now, the opening of Paul's letters many times uh, deal with major themes in the book, and we'll see these things unfold. And he starts off, and I don't want you to miss even at the beginning, he, he introduces himself as Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. Don't miss the importance with this introduction. You know, when people give introductions. when you read a book, you pick up a book, you go, you buy a book off Amazon before you even buy it. You'll go look on the the, the author's bio. If you're walking around in the mall or in the strip mall and you walk into a Barnes and Noble, many times you see a book cover, you'll flip on the back and you want to look at the author and kind of get a little bio, a little check. You want to check that author's credentials, credibility. You know, you want to look at, okay, is this book worth reading? Or is this somebody that don't know what they're talking about? And I don't even have to pay attention. When he starts off and calls himself an apostle of Christ Jesus, he's speaking to a specific office that he holds, that he has indeed been sent to carry the message, to be a representative of Jesus Christ. This is important. Because right off the bat, he's couching this entire letter in the context that what he writes is under the authority, the uh, direct authority of Jesus Christ. And he says, and don't think it's something I wanted because he didn't say it's something I chased, something I wanted. He says, by God's will, by the will of God, he's letting them know God chose me himself to do this. So what I write to you is from the Lord. This is not my opinion, according to Paul. Paul is saying, I'm not telling you what I think is best. I'm not giving you some good advice. I am speaking and writing to you under the authority of, thus says the Lord Jesus. So everything he's going to put in here is under Jesus's authority and mandate. And then he says, he says, and Timothy, our brother. One of your translations may say the brother. He, he's even letting us know something that actually starts to unfold in here. He's letting them know, like, I'm not alone. And, and and Timothy's reputation precedes him, too. Timothy's got a good reputation as a young minister of the gospel. Matter of fact, as you keep going throughout this letter, and we'll see this near the end, it's uh, for the most part... Um, not consensus but held and and i hold to the view that timothy was likely what's called the amanuensis like timothy was the one that 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 wrote the letter paul was telling him what to write it's almost like dictation if you go in court and you got a court reporter that's taking notes of everything that's being said it's like paul is speaking the letter timothy's writing it out
0: we hope this message is blessing you today Before we continue, we want you to know about Point Ministry resources. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. And subscribe to receive our Refuel devotional and view other discipleship materials. Our goal is to point you to the Word of God where Jesus is the point. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message.
1: So this letter even in itself from the Lord under the mandate of Jesus Christ. And it's being delivered by followers of Jesus Christ. Tychicus or Tichicus is bringing it. Timothy's involved. I mean, this is a group effort. This is a letter. And I like, I like to frame this like this. This is a letter that's sent by Jesus because it's, it's by an apostle. It has apostolic authority and Jesus and God in his will, has framed it where the body of Christ is involved with bringing it to the local expression of the body of Christ in Colossae. I say this because I want us as we go through this letter, as you read this letter, as you read the New Testament, I want you to understand this is all about God's work. In the world, this is all about God's work in redeeming mankind back unto himself, reconciling mankind back unto himself. And this is what Paul says right off the bat. And who is it to my brothers and sisters in Christ, the saints, the, the ones that's been made holy. That's the faithful in Jesus Christ, my brothers and sisters. And then he gives that grace and peace to you. Right off the bat, everything is about what the Lord has done. What the Lord is doing. And then he he says, we always thank God, our father. He he says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. He's letting them know you're constantly in our prayers. And every time we pray, we are thanking God for what he's done in you. After he's given this introduction, he's starting things off with thanksgiving for what God has done in them and in the world. He's giving credit where credit is due. We all know how important that is. One of the worst experiences you can have is when you do all the work and somebody else gets all the credit. We've seen movie after movie where somebody works hard and then the the superior right above takes all the credit, gets all the reward. We understand that that, that's not just. That's not God's desire with how things should work. That somebody just steals from what someone else has done. Apostle Paul is giving God all the credit. He's making sure that no man, no woman, no group, no particular church can get all the credit for what God is doing in the world. And he says, what is God doing? He's giving him thanks because he is so excited about how the gospel is going forth into all the world, including what the gospel has done in the Colossian church. This is so vitally important, even for us today, because sometimes within our own church, within our own region, in our own area, and like in our own little small congregation, we can think the gospel starts and ends with us. What does he say? He says that because of the hope as reserved in heaven, you've already heard about this hope, the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard and came to truly appreciate God's grace. I read that again because I want you to know, he says the gospel is bearing fruit, it's growing in all the world just as it did in you. It's a reminder that he's giving thanks that this mission of God what God has called Paul to, to is so much bigger than just Paul. It's so much bigger than just Epaphras. It's so much bigger than just the Colossian church. Yet sometimes we can get despondent and we can get down when we see all kinds of things going on around us. And we can think, like, man, it's, it's, it's everything. As a matter of fact, we can think that the world is going to hell itself. And sometimes we can think we're going along with it. It's just we're in dire straits. Let's be reminded what God is doing in us and in the world. In our time today with all the unrest, with all the confusion, with the, with the political back and forth and all that, let's be reminded what God is doing, not just in us, not just in our local context, but in the world. It's so much bigger than just one person one congregation, one city, and even one country. This gospel of Jesus Christ is going all through the world, and he's in the context. Remember, he's writing against heretical teachings and philosophies of man. He's writing against false teachings. He's writing against man-made ideas and worldviews and ideologies. That's why he calls the gospel the word of truth. He didn't say some truth. He didn't say all truth. He says that this word of truth is spreading throughout the world. That, it, I, I love this. I love how explicit this is because sometimes we can think, well, I'm going to preach the gospel through my actions. No, our actions flow out of the truth of the gospel. We take, it is a message that is spoken and written. It is a message to be taken to the ends of the earth, that the kingdom of God is indeed at hand and entrance into the kingdom of God and not the wrath of God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. If we want to know truth is found in Jesus Christ. If we want to know what true reality is, it's in Jesus Christ. Everything else is pseudo, it's 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 fake. It's smoking mirrors. It's an illusion. It's a magic trick that lasts only for a short while. He says, this mission of God is going forth. This hope we have, and that hope is an excitement. It's an expectation. It's not a wish. It's not that I wish. What what's promised in Jesus Christ. No, we have have a legitimate expectation that we should be excited about because what God has shown specifically in the personal work of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his burial, and resurrection and ascension and his sending of the Holy Spirit that has made us born again and new to now live out what God has called us to do. Paul is thanking God. And he says that, This gospel is going forth and it's it's bearing fruit and it's global. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, the gospel is going forth and it's growing and it's bearing fruit. Meaning we can see the effects of the gospel. We can see people growing in the gospel and we can see the attack against the gospel. Remember, the world hated Jesus. Jesus. It's going to hate the people of Jesus, too. But he told us, take courage. He's overcome the world, right? We don't fret. This gospel is global, and this is what God is doing. And because this is what God is doing, he says, I'm praying for your spiritual growth. Paul holds prayer in a very high regard. He thinks highly of prayer. He knows that we can go directly to the Father. We can stand boldly before the throne of God and ask whatever we wish. If you knew you could stand, you could ask God whatever, If you could ask God for something, what would you ask? If you, would, if you could ask God to, to bless somebody else, what would you ask? You know what many times we think? We think I'ma I'm ask that God bless them with health. That's not a bad thing. God bless them with, with financial resources. Not a bad thing. Bless their kids. Not a bad thing. Notice that his prayer has nothing to do with physical things. It's like we're familiar with movies with genies. We got Aladdin. Back in the day, we had I Dream of Genie. You get three wishes. What's funny is that almost everybody wished for the same kind of stuff. He stands before the creator of the universe. Universe is the creator of the cosmos. and says, you know what I'm asking? That you be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual maturity. Meaning, the desire for this apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, yeah, I know I'm driving that point home, is that we come to know more and more what God's heart and mind desires, what He wants. Not that God be more like us and want to give us what we want, but he wants us to grow in knowing what God's want and not just what God wants. He says in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You know what that's letting us know? It's this wisdom that we're going to find, we're going to know it's, gonna come, it's, it's spiritual. It's coming directly from God. God is communicating this to us. Now, this is important to understand. In any healthy relationship, communication is key. I love whenever I do premarital counseling, I sit down with a potential husband and wife, bride and groom. During the wedding, I communicate this. After the wedding, I communicate this to them, how communication is key. Good communication is key, meaning we do not have the ability to read minds. You know one of the most frustrating things in a, in a marriage— Between a husband and wife, one of the most frustrating things is when one expects the other person to know when you ain't said it. Both of y'all upset. Both of y'all mad. Didn't know you wanted it. You should have known I wanted it. How would I know you wanted it? You didn't tell me, but you should know by now. Tension, fighting, arguing, and and Satan is just loving it. Communication is key. So if we're going to grow to understand somebody, we're going to have to be in Constant communication. We have to talk. We have to seek out the, the will. We got we to talk to them. We got we to watch them. We got to try to seek to understand them in every kind of way. And it comes through communication. Now, I say that because when he says he wants us to grow in this knowledge of God, knowing God's will, and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, you know what? you know what it, We have to be in constant communication with God. That comes through two ways. The two easiest ways that we can do that. You might be sitting like, Pastor, okay, I get that. Is God just gonna download it to me? Like, how's it gonna work? Number one, matter of fact, I don't, I don't necessarily say one, or, well, number one and number two. So I'm gonna say A and B, but they on the same level. Your prayer life. You need to be constantly in prayer, a lifestyle of prayer, and also you need to be constantly in the Word of God. He has spoken. And both of those, we grow in understanding and wisdom because within both of those activities on our side, the Holy Spirit, since we've placed faith in Jesus Christ, does a work in us to grant us understanding so that when we face problem A, we know how to deal with it. When we face problem B, we know what to do in those moments. Why? Because we're growing in the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual understanding, in all wisdom. This sermon is titled Growth Anticipated because right off the bat, at the beginning of this letter, Paul is writing about his thanksgiving and the work of God and what he's doing in the world and particularly in the Colossian church. And he's praying that their growth continues, that their spiritual growth continues. And he's praying with an anticipation because that's just what the gospel does. For you and me who
0: are in Christ... Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Christ Supreme series, where we learn Jesus Christ has no rival and that he reigns supreme. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Christ Supreme series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.